The Truth News Network. Rules for thee, but not for me. How about cash after cash of documents found locked in the garage next to the president's Corvette, the president who excoriated another man for having his documents in a locked room under the watchful eye of the archives and the Secret Service? But here's the question we really should be asking of this eco-zealot thou shalt not drill president. Is that an electric Corvette? Well, now that you've got perspective, this is TNN. The Truth News Network. And truth is what we do. And the doer is Dan Newman. He didn't just say that, did he? Is that an electric Corvette? Where does Pete Moss get all this stuff? He's very topical. He's very timely when he does his intros for us here. Hey, how's the front half of your week going? Have you had a good Monday, Tuesday, and Tuesday evening? I hope so, and I hope the back half of the week is going to be good, and you're going to have a great weekend. But until the weekend, thank you for coming here and sharing. And we're going to get a lot of packets unopened for you today. There are so many different, I don't want to call them things. I don't want to call them happenings. It's almost like it's a big pot, and... Everybody just throw stuff in the pot, turn the heat up, stir it, and then just every once in a while look in the pot and say, maybe we ought to get that out of the pot, and then throw it at us. Just drop these bombs on us every day. We got plenty of bombs today, plenty of bombs today, and there's more on DocuGate. I'm sure that surprises you. But let me tell you the little nugget in our show today that uh, I'm excited to bring to you. And it's from my one of my U.S. Senators, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy. He's an orator. He's a spokesman. And he weighs in on one of the most important, the most critical things that we're facing that has kind of been pushed to the back of the burners on the stove. Why is that? Because it's not fuzzy. It's not a big, exciting thing. But it's very, very important. I'm talking about, will we raise the debt limit? We're running out of time. This is the final week, or we're going to, they tell us this to try to scare us, default on our $31 trillion worth of debt. We got to have more money. We got to be able to borrow money. In just a moment, In fact, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to soften you up. I'm going to play a song that, one of the greatest hits of all time, one of the best of the Carpenters, but a remake from Diana Krall. I don't know if you know a lot about Diana Krall. Uh, She is a great musician, a keyboard. She's got a, a deep kind of bassy voice, and she does smooth jazz. But she redid the Carpenter Superstar. And I like this version because it's, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of what you would want to listen to on a cloudy, dreary day, maybe overcast and a little rain, maybe a little bit cooler. But it just fits the mood there. And it's not a downer. Far from that. It's a great song and a great rendition of a great song. Diana Krall, so grab that second, third, fourth cup of coffee and just relax and listen to her. We got a great day lined up for you.
songs and arrange that one I've never heard we I've heard superstar by uh, many artists that remake that great carpenter's hit her voice is sultry 
That's the best word to describe it. Well, I'm not trying to get you down. In northwest Louisiana, we are planning for some thunder boomies, some rain this morning, later on this afternoon. But the rest of the world, (laughs) with the exception of some hot spots, the rest of the world is doing okay. Going to be fine today. What about what's going on with your president, President Joe Biden? It just seems like whenever you think, it can't get any worse for him. It gets worse for him. (laughs) Now, what's that all about? Well, you know, sometimes we, um, we make messes, messes on our own. And sometimes those things get a little ugly. I think Joe Biden is living in one of those ugly worlds right now because it seems like every single day some kind of debacle comes out, something new or something rehashed, often something hidden, and it gets exposed to the American people. I don't know about you, but in this DocuGate thing with President Biden where all those documents are showing up at uh, uh, his think tank, Washington, D.C., at one of his homes, at another one of his homes, in his office, in the garage. But it's safe because it's it's in the same garage where his Corvette is parked. That's according to him. Here's the conundrum. Compare just for a second what happened in Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago, they just stormed it, FBI. I mean, went down and stormed it, went in, didn't let Biden's attorneys even, uh, excuse me, Trump's attorneys even go in and watch what the FBI was doing, where they were going, what they were doing with documents they found, how they were doing that. With this, this docugate, the Biden docugate, critics have questioned why Joe's personal attorneys were looking for classified documents. It's kind of an oxymoron there. I thought the FBI was supposed to do that. Other folks have questioned why Joe's legal team was continuing to search his home for more classified documents. That comes after a special counsel was appointed earlier that day. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, the initial search, which was authorized by DOJ, it involved people that had no security clearances, looking for, of course, what they say are classified documents. Mr. Biden's legal team prepared to search his other properties for any similar documents, and they talked it over with the Justice Department. The prospect of having FBI agents present while Mr. Biden's uncertified, no authority, no clearance whatsoever to look for these things but to wait while Mr. Biden's attorneys conducted additional searches. Well, instead of the FBI getting engaged in this thing, knowing every couple of days now, here's the conundrum for me. Every couple of days now, we are told, well, guess what? Found some more documents. And my ding, 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 ding goes off in my head when I hear all these things for a couple of reasons. Number one, why are uncleared personal attorneys of the president, why is it okay for them to look for these classified documents that according to what we heard 
about the Mar-a-Lago thing. Whoever has them is breaking the laws. It's egregious. Do you think that Joe Biden's attorneys that don't have any history of working with classified information, do you smell a rat? I do. Instead, we're told the two sides, listen to this, the two sides agreed that Biden's personal attorneys would inspect the homes, notify the DOJ as soon as they found any other potentially classified records, and then arrange for law enforcement authorities to take them. That just smells. The lawyers, they don't know anything about classified documents. And of course, Biden's their client, not the American people in this case. That frosts me. And then there's Representative James Comer. He's the House Oversight Committee chairman. He believes nobody would have known of these unearthed documents in the Biden Penn Center first or Biden's home second if CBS News had not first reported this. The White House claimed, remember, total transparency. When this whole scandal broke, they immediately said, oh, we're totally transparent. And every day we hear about more stuff they just forget to tell us about. Thursday last week, five more classified documents were found. Just hours after the White House told us that one document had been found the day before, and it was found in a storage area near the garage of Biden's Wilmington home. And we didn't get the report on that until Saturday. DOJ employees went and got that document on Thursday. That had been unearthed on Wednesday by the president's legal team. None of them had security clearance. Bob Bauer is the president's personal attorney. On Saturday, he said that that one document led Biden's attorneys to five more, which were apparently discovered because Biden's personal legal team did not have security clearances. So when they saw that one-page document that had classification markings, they cleared the area and did not look further. Are you believing all of this insanity? Do you believe it's true? First of all, I don't believe it's true. I don't have any basis, any evidence to prove that. But there's too much of this that happens. It keeps going on, keeps going on. So far, all we know about is 25 classified documents, all total, and every one of them has been discovered, not by the FBI, but by Joe Biden's personal attorneys. And by the way, some of these documents are marked top secret. So what is this all about? Jonathan Turley, he's an attorney and a professor at George Washington University Law School. He's a Democrat. On Monday, he questioned why Biden used his own personal attorneys to search for this classified information, these classified documents. Turley said it's strange Biden didn't use some security officers, you know, some independent folks, or even the FBI to conduct these additional searches. The president 
has a host of people who regularly handle classified material, so why use his lawyers? So does any ding, ding, ding go off in your head? There's something that in our rearview mirror seems a little bit similar. You know, that case of Hillary Clinton's emails and the control of those. Nobody knew about them in the government. Well, the president knew about it. President Obama knew about it. How did he know about it? It was from that private server, and we found out after the fact, months and months later, in fact, I think a year or two later, the former president was communicating using a Gmail address that nobody in the White House knew that he had, and he was emailing back and forth with Hillary from that unsecured server at Hillary's house in New York. So what about Uncle Joe? Well, using private counsel allows him to raise attorney-client privilege. Now, Trump also used his own counsel, but eventually the FBI raided his home to look and remove not just classified material, but documents, other documents that were found in boxes with that material that much of was personal, had nothing to do with the federal government. So this attorney-client privilege thing can be overcome under a crime or fraud exception. It adds a level of initial protection. It also allowed Biden to control the discovery and initial record of the discovery of classified information. In other words, he and his people, not him, he can't do it, but his people were able to create a scenario to tell the Department of Justice, to give them a version, a story of the whole thing, and nobody can credibly counter that. The Biden administration has failed to comply with the House Oversight Committee's investigation into Biden's mishandling of the top-secret documents after they promised again and again and again the highest standard of transparency in U.S. history. I have never in my life seen such a convoluted thing happen, and it's perpetrated by tons of people that are supposedly working for we the people. But they're not in this case. They're working for Joe Biden. So here's an interesting thing that came out of Alabama. Representative Jerry Carl, he's from Alabama, on a Mobile, Alabama radio station, FM Talk 106.5 yesterday. Congressman speculated about the timing of this controversy involving Joe and all these classified documents. He suggested, Representative Carl, he suggested that given the timing coming post-midterm election, Biden could be being set up by his own people. Hmm. He said, this stuff showing up, and this is the other side of my brain, this is not a Republican thing all of a sudden, Carl said. It's almost like he's being set up by his own people. They waited until after the election. They waited 
until after the Democrats lost a majority for this stuff to start leaking out. They knew it was there back in early November. Why didn't they do it then when they had full control? All three houses could say, it's no big deal. Whitewash it and let's move on. But they didn't. So it's almost like his own people are trying to destroy him. Think about it. They had no business being there. He's wrong. Just forget about everything else. He's wrong. It should not be there. It was in his garage. It should not be in his house unless it is a known secured facility by the Secret Service. Oh, no. Another conspiracy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Our congressman, our buddy, Mike Johnson, he was in the other day with us here last week. Well, over the weekend, Mike Johnson, as you know, is a constitutional attorney. And uh, just off the floor of the House, I think this happened yesterday or the day before, a reporter caught him and asked him about DocuGate. Uh, I think the administration will need to answer that question. Uh, I'm going to reserve judgment until they do. But I think it's important to point out uh, that the Biden uh, approach was very different in the sense that um, it looks, uh, as far as we can tell, that it was inadvertent that these documents were in these locations. Now, whoops, that's not an excuse. Uh, Regardless, Republicans have already begun an investigation into the president's handling of these secret documents. Where does that stand tonight? Joining me now to discuss Louisiana Republican congressman and member of the House Judiciary Committee, Mike Johnson. So Congressman Johnson is leading the investigation along with his fellow congressman, Jim Jordan. Welcome to the show. Uh, Tell me what your investigation seeks to discover. Well, there are a lot of questions, Kennedy, and I think you covered it really well here in a a couple of minutes. There's a lot to keep up with because there's so many tranches of documents now they've found in so many places. Uh, the, The timeline is very important, and I'm so glad that you began with that because, obviously, this was first discovered before the election. So among our top questions for the Department of Justice and for the Attorney General himself, Merrick Garland, is, when did you know about this and why did you conceal this? on appearances, that's what it looks like, until after the election. That is a big, big question, an important one. And we also want to know, what correspondence have you had with the president and his representatives about all this? It seems to be a double standard. We know that when there were documents uh, supposedly at Mar-a-Lago, there was a raid. They, you know, they played it out on national television for everybody to see. Why hasn't Merrick Garland ordered a, uh, a, a search? of the other Biden properties, since apparently they just have documents, you know, scattered around everywhere. Lots of important questions, and it looks like a complete double standard. This is what we talk about. This is what we mean when we refer to the weaponization of the federal government. They are applying justice for political purposes and in political ways, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's demeaning the institutions that they supposedly represent. I have to agree with you. I think that we are seeing um, unequal application and unequal protection under the law. And that is incredibly problematic when you're dealing with one president who says that he wants to run again, and then the raid on a former president who also wants to run against the current president, uh, whose executive branch oversees not only the FBI that raided Trump's home, but also the AG who is in charge of this whole thing. Uh, So in order to look that there's 
not conflicts of interest. Of course, Merrick Garland has to uh, appoint a special counsel in both cases. So let's talk a little bit about the non-existent logs. Uh, the president is saying, and, and I had a problem with this, President Trump as well. I think whoever has access to the most powerful person in the world, we should know who that person or people, uh, we should have a list of those names. Is there such a thing as a private residence with the president of the United States? Well, I don't think so. Um, and that's a real problem. And if there is not a list of who visited that residence, where we now know that at least for several years, you've had top secret, highly classified, very sensitive information, then we're going to have to get that information in some other way. We may have to subpoena family members of the Bidens and, and others who have been at the residence and work there to figure this out. Not because this is a political retribution exercise. This is because we have some of the most highly sensitive documents uh, relating to our adversaries, relating to Iran and China, uh, dealings in Ukraine. And they were at the residence, by the way, where Hunter Biden himself listed as the place where he lived in, oh, yeah. in recent years. So I mean, this is a big, big concern of the American people, and it deals directly with our national security. We have to get to the bottom of it. We, we are, the, the American people are owed those answers, and we have to seek trans, uh, accountability and, I think, transparency, and that will do well to shore up people's belief in the institutions. That's what we're about. We've already begun the process. We're also going to have a select committee, as you know, on the weaponization of the federal government. Mm -hmm. But this has already begun in oversight and judiciary. We put timelines on the request for the documents and the information, and we'll see if the attorney general complies. He better, uh, because the, the credibility that, that the whole Department of Justice is what's on the line here. We're going to find out before the end of this week where this is going to go. We've got to find out. We have a lot of moving parts in our government today. The debt limit, the increase in the debt limit, it's got to happen this week. Somebody's got to come up with something. And there's got to be some kind of lid put on this docugate stuff. Um, we got to get some facts out of this. And I, I, I just don't know how to get it. And, of course, the talking heads on mainstream media, they just went crazy. We played a soundbite from uh, that representative down in Georgia talking about this stuff was planted. All these documents were planted. And even on The View, those knotheads, they accused the Trump folks from planning all these classified documents. Don't even think about the fact that everywhere these documents were, there were Secret Service people. So one would think that somehow <laughs> the Trump folks found a way to get around Secret Service and they knew how to and where to place these or plant these documents at all these places. Now remember, the Bidens now have four homes. Four. Four. And every one of them is on the beach somewhere. Why wouldn't the Department of Justice demand to search each of those four locations? Especially then now, we're told, three different locations. And one of them was the Penn Center, the think tank. So they're or three other homes besides the big one in Delaware. This stuff just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And now it seems like some of the mainstream media outlets, uh, even on a local basis, like out of San Francisco, they're saying there's something smells here. 
Turn our attention to President Joe Biden facing new questions over those classified documents from his time as vice president discovered at his home and at his office. Now, the White House is blasting Republicans for what it calls hypocrisy over their condemnations of the president. Cleo Green joins us now to break down what we know, but sounds like we got more unclassified documents or more yes. classified documents. We've got more, and President Biden has been very tight-lipped about this. Here's the deal here about those documents. His team has been fully cooperating with the government, but this morning we are learning new details coming to light that the Department of Justice considered sending FBI agents to President Biden's Delaware home to monitor the search for classified documents, but they backed off. The DOJ ultimately decided to let Biden's lawyers carry out their own searches back in November. The administration is now under fire for not disclosing that information sooner, and it's really the reason why House Republicans are now launching two separate congressional inquiries into the documents, accusing the administration of waiting months to tell the American people about their discovery. And this is why there's such hypocrisy behind the Bidens. Once again, something big that comes forward prior to an election where they kind of keep it quiet, where the American public could actually have a say in it. Well, the White House says that's hypocritical and that Republicans showed little interest in investigating classified documents found at former President Trump's estate in Mar-a-Lago. Here's the deal here. As it stands, a total of approximately 20 classified documents from Biden's time as vice president has been found. The White House has said the president, well, he doesn't know the content of those documents just yet. That's what they're saying. Well, it's not just the congressional investigations as well. Mm -hmm. This could go even further. Yes, yeah, so there's the DOJ probe, and right now we're learning that there's also going to be the special counsel that will be investigating as well. One of the lead attorneys on the special counsel was appointed by former President Donald Trump. So we'll see what happens. Okay, thanks, Cleo, mm -hmm. for the update. There you go. It's going downhill now. People out in the streets, not the, uh, the swamp, Washington, D.C., but people out in the streets are beginning to say, this just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. Well, I told you at the top of the show, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy this morning, he weighed in about the big thing that's coming up. And what might that be? We've got to do something about getting to our debt limit number. And that means we got to go borrow some more money. <laughs> John Kennedy's up next here at TNN Live. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, that's just, just swing. I'm holding a swing. <sighs> Bob? Whoa, looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a flying date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell & Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and 
how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell, a partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get not only the news, but the truth in the news. From TNN, the Truth News Network. Dan Newman. Welcome. Glad you joined us today. Anytime you want to weigh in, ask a question, jump on me, whatever. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-378-7884. Seven eight eight four. I won't get into the dirty details, but President Biden has got in his history, in his history in government, has got a circumstance where he went totally postal about somebody they were looking at to confirm to a post in a previous president's administration. And he went nuts on this person because this person mishandled classified information. And here we are today, Joe Biden saying, hey, I didn't mean anything. Have you heard the explanations, almost every one of them that comes out, defending the president? And it uses the word, their explanation, it uses the word inadvertent. Inadvertent. These were in these locations inadvertently. And you know why they're saying that? It's in the law. It's in the law that it's got to be purposeful placement of these classified documents before it breaks that federal statute. Inadvertently, if it happens that way, it's just okay. Finding ways and things to use to justify personal wrongdoing, even by a president of the United States. Oh, well. And we just keep going on to all of the nutty stuff happening in this president's administration, like spending, like spending. What we're about to talk about, what you're about to hear, is the process of what you do when you run out of money. And it's almost like, did you have a kid that went to college and nowadays, folks, when you when you send your kid off to school, pretty much you gotta you gotta have a way for them to have some money. And so, what's the typical way? We either get them a new one, or we give them one that we already have—a credit card. And they are on a budget. You've only got so much to spend, and they may not even know what the balance is availability on that credit card. But nevertheless, what Joe Biden is doing is asking us when the kids spend all the money on the credit card or the debit card, what do they want us to do? Well, you go get them another card. And when they spend all that, you go get them another card. 
That's the definition of insanity. But that's just what we're doing. And so look at this White House. Listen to this White House and who speaks almost chiefly for everybody in the Biden administration in this White House, Corrine Jean-Pierre. And let me just say this about her. It has nothing to do with the fact that she's black, nothing to do with the, the fact that she's female or she's gay. It has nothing to do with that. She is just feckless as an honest communicator, which nobody has called her that. They can't call her that because she exposes herself every day. Regarding the new credit card that our government wants the taxpayers to give to them without even considering the debt that was run up on the previous one, Corinne Jean-Pierre, Senator John Kennedy. Well, tomorrow the U.S. will officially reach its debt limit. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warning that this could include delaying some government payments as the White House refuses to budge on its spending plans. We should be uh, dealing with the debt ceiling without, without conditions. Uh, it is important. We're not going to work our way around this. We're not going to negotiate on this. This is the basic, the basic duties of Congress is to deal with this issue. Why have a debt ceiling if you're never going to negotiate? GOP Senator John Kennedy sits on the Senate Budget Committee, joins us now. Hey, Senator, are you happy with that tone? No. Look, when it comes to the debt ceiling, uh, everybody wants the truth, but nobody wants to be honest. Uh, here's the truth as I see it. If you're going to have a party, you have to pay the band. If you're going to borrow money, you have to pay it back. That's true as a moral principle and a principle of practicality. And you, you, don't, you don't have to be a senior at Caltech to figure that out. Now, here's the truth part. Congress had a spending party. More specifically, the House Democrats, not the House Republicans, the Senate Democrats and a whole lot of Senate Republicans had a spending party. I didn't vote to do it. I, I would have been happy with a couple of beers after work, but they wanted to have a spending party, and it wasn't just Democrats in the Senate. Um, those bills passed with a lot of Republican support. The omnibus, the so-called infrastructure bill, uh, the, the CHIPS big tech bailout bill, even the, the gun control bill, which passed with Republican support, cost $15 billion. And that's the unvarnished truth. Now, are the House Republicans correct? Absolutely. I mean, the House Republicans have been pretty consistent. Their principle is when you run out of money, you don't get to spend anymore. And I agree with them. And I voted that way in the Senate. But here's what I fear will happen. The House Republicans are going to pass a bill raising the uh, debt ceiling with cuts to spending. I'll support it. But when, when they send it to President Biden and Senator Schumer, those two gentlemen won't even pause their video games to look at it. They're going to say, no, we're not going to negotiate. Default if you want to. Um, I'm working on a bill. I, I don't know if Senator Schumer will bring it to the floor, 
Don't even know if Senator McConnell will support it. But to try to force the parties to negotiate. I don't know if it will work. But I don't know anything else to do at this point. I do know this. I am not going to vote to default on the debt of the United States of America, even though I didn't run it up. I'm not going to do it. I have a fiduciary obligation to the, to, the, to the American people. I'm a senator. I've tried to rise above it, but I'm a senator. And, and I'm going to fulfill my fiduciary obligation. And wait a minute. I thought his and every one of the other 534 people in Congress, their fiduciary responsibility lies with the people. With the people. And so, one person, John Kennedy, he can't get it done by himself. But there are enough other people in uh, both houses. If you put the House numbers together and the Senate numbers together of conservatives that want to stop this deficit and debt spending that spirals, it's been way out of control for decades. But the Obama administration... Eight years of that set a new norm, which is all spend money we don't have. Go to the bank and borrow more and more money. I don't. I love John Kennedy. He is the Mark Twain of this generation with the things that he says, but even the way that he says these things, he communicates better than I think anybody in Washington, D.C. But that last couple of sentences that he said it was kind of a disclaimer. I refuse to default on our debt. I refuse to do it because I have a fiduciary agreement, he said, as a senator. His fiduciary responsibility is to the people of Louisiana, who he represents the entire state. And if everybody, all 535, use that thought process... We'll never have any spending cuts. We'll never take responsibility and stop this and balance budgets and then find ways to go and begin to pay back our debt. Now, $31 trillion, that's not something you can in a few months or a few years go take care of it. But you know what that number means? $31 trillion. And by the way, the $31 trillion they talk about, that's nowhere near are complete debt obligations. Now, what do you mean, Dan? Well, back since the late 40s, everybody that worked, every paycheck, they had a percentage taken out of their paycheck that went to Washington to put the Social Security program together. And then later, another little bit taken out of their paychecks to go to Washington to put in the bank for their health care when they get to 65 and retire, Social Security, to give them some guaranteed retirement money. Do you think all that money, the billions of dollars that have been paid in, even after the bills were paid, do you think that's sitting in some bank account in Washington, D.C.? No, it isn't. It never has been. It's gone. But what stayed with it? Estimated another 40 or $50 trillion of obligations directly to the American people. It's gone. 
So forget about that obligation, that future obligation, which is really long-term debt, or if you want to call what we have now, the $31 trillion long-term debt, we'll call our other unfunded liabilities as long, 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 long-term debt. All rolled in, it's over $100 trillion that the government has actually obligated the American people for. Now forget about the long-term stuff. Just the $31 trillion, do you know how much that is for you to have to pay? $94,000. Each one of your kids, $94,000. Every person in the United States, that's the responsibility you have for our national debt. Now, that'll frost you if you think through. You know why? Because you didn't decide, you made no decision, you weren't part of the thought process that made those debt obligations. It seems like the government's flipped, it's turned upside down. It's like they tell us what to do, but more than that, they tell us what they're going to do, or in many cases, they tell us what they've already done. That's not the way this is supposed to go. And John Kennedy was right. You heard him say, even Mitch McConnell, the minority leader in the Senate, he's a Republican. They're not going to read, they're not going to accept a budget plan that cuts, that makes cuts. They're not going to do that. That whole thought process has just found its way into the fabric of our government in every body in the Potomac Valley. That's all they think about is a money machine. When they look at the government, you go over and push a button and you get money out. And it doesn't matter if nobody ever comes from behind the machine and puts more money in. They think it's always going to be stocked with an endless supply of money. I hate to tell them that's an impossibility. And at some point, don't know when, hope it doesn't happen in my lifetime, hope it doesn't happen in my grandchildren's lifetimes, but at some point, the bottom's going to fall out. And when that happens, people around the world are going to see the formerly strongest, most economically secure country in world history, get shattered, turn into nothing more than a third world country, almost overnight, if not overnight. Let's move on. Wow, 47 minutes of the first hour of the show is gone. Remember this name, you're going to hear it a lot, Representative James Comer. He's a Republican out of Kentucky. He is chairman of the House Oversight Committee, one of the, if not the, one of the most important committees in the House of Representatives. And so they've already started ratcheting down on President Biden. One thing, and this is one of many, many things, is the concerns of a whole bunch of people, and it's not just Republicans, but people in government and people that aren't in government, who had access to the classified documents that were stored 
at Biden's Wilmington, Delaware house after the White House told us there are no records of visitors to the home. Now you put those two things together and you create a perfect storm. Nobody knows who put the documents there. Well, somebody does, but they haven't stepped forward and raised their hands. But then after the documents went there, who had access? Who came to that house during Biden stays there. Now, why is this so important? Do you know that right now, just in two years, Biden has spent 40% of his time as president in Wilmington, Delaware, at this house. We don't have a visitor's log. We don't know who's been there. The White House, the National Archives, and the Department of Justice, they have withheld information from Congress and therefore the American people, about the classified records that were found in these locations. And the American people deserve transparency, not secrecy. We're going to continue to press. This is James Comer talking. We're going to continue to press the Biden administration for answers about who had access to these classified documents and why Biden's aides were permitted to rummage through all of the things at the Wilmington residence after the appointment of that special counsel. Normally, when it gets so bad that a president appoints or the Department of Justice appoints a special counsel, it's hands off. Nobody gets to go investigate. Nobody can touch anything. They lock it down until the feds, the DOJ, gets to go in and examine what's it at the center of whatever the controversy is. On Sunday, Representative Comer penned a letter to the White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, and called for Klain to ante up with visitor logs from the residents to be released, citing serious national security implications. That just makes sense. Given the serious national security implications, the White House must provide the Wilmington residence's visitor log. This is from the letter from Comer. As chief of staff, he's talking to Ron Klain. You are head of the executive office of the president. You bear responsibility to be transparent with all of us, the American people, on these important issues related to the White House handling of this matter. Biden's mishandling of classified materials raises the issue of whether he has jeopardized U.S. national security. Without a list of individuals who have visited his residence, the American people will never know who had access to these highly sensitive documents. Let me tell you what, I fear that what Comer just said in that last paragraph, I fear that might be what's going on. Quote, the American people will never know who had access to these highly sensitive documents. And as was the case throughout the eight years of the Obama-Biden administration, that thinking was rampant. They hid everything from the American people. And they were never held accountable for doing so. The Associated Press said, The spokesman, Anthony Guglielmi, stated the agency does not keep visitor logs for the residents. 
We don't independently maintain our own visitor logs because it's a private resident. Well, then why are top-secret classified documents kept at a guy's private residence in the garage? And Joe's explanation when he was asked about that was, well, they're in my garage. But hey, same place I keep my car vet. The fact that a sitting president of the United States would give that as an excuse, it just proves our president has some problems. He really does. And I don't even think we've just we've just broken the tip of this classified document information. I think there's going to be much, 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 much more. Now, overnight, a bombshell comes out. A hypothesis is out there. And it's about what instigated all of this stuff surrounding Hunter Biden, James Biden, and Joe Biden. And it has to do with Joe Biden. Solely Joe Biden. But not about him for anything he's done or what he's going to do and what he's doing now, but it's about his earning potential based upon one thing, his job. That's next. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Is it just me, or does it seem like this docugate and Biden and his stuff that he's done and stuff that he's not doing, much of what he's done has been purposely hidden. And that, of course, if you're a mom or a dad, you know how that happens. Our kids do it all the time. They try to hide so they don't get caught. Don't get caught. I think is the key to what we're talking about today. 
if you have power, often if you have power, you have the method to not be held accountable. Just 18 months into the Biden administration, when he was a vice president, and we're going to go back a few years, Joe had a conversation with one of Hunter's business associates. You know, one of those associates that he swore he never had a conversation with any of Hunter Biden's business associates. But he did, at least this one. And it left an indelible impression about Joe's desire to create future wealth. Now, he's coming off a gig. He'd been in the U.S. Senate for many, many years. And back then, folks, they weren't making $170,000 a year in salary and then an expense account on top of that. Way back when Joe became senator, the very beginning of his political career, he was making $25,000 a year. That went on, and of course, every few years, they gave themselves raises. And now a U.S. senator's functional base is $170,000 a year. That may sound, and it is a lot of money to a lot of people, but it doesn't show us anyway somebody can become a millionaire. So he was concerned about his financial future. Here's a quote from that somebody that Joe talked to. This is to Hunter Biden. Your dad just called me about his mortgage, and he mentioned he'd be out a lot sooner and not really back until Labor Day. This is Eric Sherwin that wrote this, an email or a text, one of the two, to Hunter. Rosemont Seneca Executive, that company, that that investment company that Hunter and Eric founded, that was on July 6, 2010. So it dawned on me, the email continued, it might be a good time. Also, he could use some positive news about his future earnings potential. Sherwin, this guy, I don't know who he is. I just know that he worked along Hunter Biden at that Rosemont Seneca investment firm. Sherwin also doubled as a financial and tax advisor to the future president. And he asked Hunter to consider meeting with his father soon to discuss the issue. This is from the email that they got off Hunter's laptop. Does it make sense to see if your dad has some time in the next couple of weeks while you're in D.C. to talk about it? J.R.B. Future Memo, using the future president's initials as shorthand. Interesting, by 2016, as Joe was leaving the Obama White House, those conversations with Hunter had graduated to wealth creation and the founding of a foreign policy think tank, according to emails that have taken on new significance after these classified documents in Biden's office and home brought renewed, I can't even say a word, renewed focus on the Biden family syndicate's foreign business deals. Buried in a Hunter Biden laptop, now in the FBI's possession, are a series of emails, documents, and messages that tell the story 
of how America's first family got so deeply intertwined, especially in 2017 and 18, after he left the Obama White House, with Chinese interests now under federal and congressional investigation. These things under scrutiny include the University of Pennsylvania, which hosted the former VP's Penn Biden Center, a think tank, and got $47.7 million in gifts and contracts from unnamed Chinese sources while Biden was working at UPenn as a guest lecturer. And also, some of this came from CEFC, China Energy something something. It's a Chinese conglomerate that formed a business venture with Hunter Biden and brothers Jim. A billion five hundred million dollars in cash for investment. Hmm. The most common link to the interests that have landed the Biden family in a bunch of political hot water that they don't want to talk about, but it's out there and the heat's growing. The middle of all of this was Hunter Biden. He courted the University of Pennsylvania before it hired Joe, and Hunter pursued several Chinese deals, including an investment fund, the sale of a U.S. company that made sensitive technology, and eventually the creation of the CEFC venture that was aimed at buying up U.S. gas interest for China, natural gas. Today, both father and son are under DOJ investigation. Few want to talk about that, but they are. The president for possible mishandling classified documents and Hunter for unpaid taxes and a bunch of other issues. It's reported over the last year that Hunter and Sharon occasionally talked to Joe about his finances and talked to each other about Joe's finances, even discussing how the future president wanted to use a Delaware tax refund to pay back his son and identifying bills like cell phones and house repairs that Hunter wanted to pay for his daddy. So as the prospect of Joe's moves from politics to the private sector drew nearer, entities and people associated with foreign interest, the big one, China, surfaced and surfaced more and more frequently. A year after the 2010 conversation about Joe's future earnings potential, for instance, Hunter started exploring an investment opportunity inside China with both excitement and concern, trepidation. I don't believe in lottery tickets anymore, but I do believe in the super chairman. Hunter wrote in one email exchange, September of 2011, talking about a business partner in Hong Kong. Hunter seemed to understand that a big, political, powerful family that was tied to the White House also faced risk by dabbling in Chinese business and why such interest wanted to be associated with him, with Hunter. Your question, why does Super Chair love me so much, is easily answered, Hunter said. He wrote that to his business partner, Devin Archer. 
It has nothing to do with me, everything to do with my last name, Biden. The email suggested Archer and Biden have to have a long talk about how they divide things going forward if the deal was consummated and warn that their Chinese business partners just might come after us for effing up their relationships in Beijing. Fast forward to December 2013. Hunter was flying on Air Force Two with his daddy for a meeting in Beijing. That meeting triggered the creation of an investment fund, $1.5 billion, Communist Chinese Party dollars. And the trip on that trip occasioned a brief greeting between his father and one of the Chinese business partners. Two years later, 2015, Hunter Biden had facilitated the sale of a company out of Michigan, an auto parks manufacturer, Hinegis Automotive. You know what they made? Sensitive anti-vibration technology potentially usable for military fighter jets. And the deal Hunter brokered, the sale went to one of China's main military aircraft manufacturers, Aviation Industry Corporation of China. Same year, Hunter started courting UPenn, University of Pennsylvania, and its top leader, while also getting a new overture from China that would eventually lead to one of the first family's most controversial deals, the CEFC Energy Partnership. CEFC first approached Hunter about making a donation to the U.S. World Food Program, which he served as honorary chairman. Hunter was recently approached by a large privately owned Chinese corporation called CEFC Energy China that has a U.S.-based foundation. Now, this is Sherwin writing that in October of 15, 2015. You just need to understand this. There's no such thing as a large privately owned Chinese corporation. CEFC was owned by the Chinese Communist government. Sherwin said that they would like to, the Chinese would like to explore making a donation to WFP USA and their CEO would like to meet with the appropriate person at WFP USA the last week of October when he's in the U.S. My assumption based on the conversations I've had with them is they would be more than just a token donation. Well, not not much longer, he and his partners would steer the discussion to personal business when Hunter was invited to a private meeting in December of that year with CEFC's chairman, Yi, in Washington, D.C. I am confident that many interesting projects may come out of this in the future. That's from another business associate. He wrote that in explaining why Hunter should attend this meeting. Bunch of places reported the CEFC courtship eventually landed the Biden family a big diamond as a gift and a no-interest forgivable $5 million loan that enriched the entire first family. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of a forgivable $5 million loan? I'm raising my hand in the studio right now. 
if somebody's going to pass that deal out, I'm in. I'm all in. Five million, but you don't have to pay it back. As the CEFC Energy Company deal got hot, Hunter warmed the fires at UPenn, discussing with then-wife Kathleen hosting a private dinner for Penn President Amy Gutman. There was an underlying reason for this. Maybe just ask her if Amy would rather just do dinner with mom and dad and us. Or if she wants, we can do the larger dinner. Hunter wrote that in February of 15. Calendar notations and other correspondence show the dinner was booked for April 2015. University of Penn, like many other Ivy League schools, they were growing their relationship with China. Doing so to collect millions of dollars in donations while they were also creating programs in the communist country. Data gathered by the National Legal and Policy Center and appended to a complaint in 2020 shows that Penn got $67.6 million in grants and contracts from various Chinese sources, unknown Chinese sources, Anonymous, in other words, <laughs> between 2013 and 2019. Most of it, $47.7 million, collected when Joe was paid more than 900000 by the University of Pennsylvania. 900000 He worked hard for the money. He worked as a guest lecturer. And for lending his name to the Penn Biden Center think tank, from 2017 through 2019. Hunter's emails suggest that he played a role in the meetings late in the Obama years that eventually landed his dad that lucrative gig at Penn. I mean, come on now, 900 grand, including one April 2016 gathering at the Naval Observatory when the then vice president lived there. Joe eventually recalled the conversations with Gutman. Gutman, and those conversations got him the job at Penn. And Joe said it became particularly attractive to him when he learned that the university would not only employ him, but also many of his staffers, people like Antony Blinken. You heard that name before? Blinken would eventually follow him back to the White House as Secretary of State after Biden was just elected two years ago. President Gutman, you came to me before the Obama administration was up and asked me what I consider being a professor at Penn. Joe recalled this during a videotaped interview with NBC News anchor Andrea Mitchell at the Penn Center when it opened in 2018. First thought I had was that it sounded like an intriguing idea, but it became even more intriguing after the outcome of the election when you said I could bring along with me some serious, serious, serious staff people. And they're much more than staff. And I start with Tony Blinken and Steve Ricchetti and others. So thank you for allowing me to bring some really, really bright people. Now, this was to President Gutman. Joe Biden's elected President of the United States, and guess who the U.S. ambassador to Germany is today? Former President Gutman of the University of Penn. 
Is that not a daisy chain of quid pro quo? Is that not a daisy chain of finding ways to sell access, not because of who somebody is and the way they can work and create opportunities, but just because of their name attached to a political position that they possess? As much as we all know this happens over and over and over, I just cannot reconcile in my head how it's okay for me, for me to even justify that in any possible way. I guess basically what happens to me is I begin to think, how could anybody think that's okay? Nobody in their right mind that has any common sense, justice thinking, fair, legal, any kind of right thinking mind would allow that to happen, any of that to happen. But I guess when you live in Washington and everything's for sale, everything's for sale. When a buyer comes along that's interested in what you have, and if you've got a a good name, a last name, and you have a good position, you know, like vice president or, hey, even president of the United States, why not monetize it? Why not monetize it? For those of you that are listening, some of you may be new. You need to understand, at this website, at this show, we are all about doing the right thing. Sometimes doing the right thing, you know this probably is good or better than I do. Sometimes doing the right thing, it comes at a price. And sometimes it's not fun. But doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. And finding shortcuts to get around the right thing to do, do you hear and see any of that kind of stuff going on? In our political blogosphere, yes, we all do. And politicians, U.S. politicians, have normalized that. It's like it's no big deal. It's like, oh, okay, hey, can I have another one of those donuts? I don't know why I said donuts. Maybe it's because I'd love to have a donut right now. I can't. I'm losing weight. (laughs) You don't lose weight when you eat donuts. That's another story. As much as it's happening, as often as it happens, I in no way can reconcile that kind of thinking for our leaders in Washington, D.C., especially a vice president and then, oh my gosh, a president of the United States. I just can't get that in my head to be okay. You know why? because it's not okay. Hi, Tom Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists, seriously people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you 
check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. What can milk do? Well, it can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier. No, it can't. Oh, well, it can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you at any age. It makes engines whir. And creme brulee, cremey. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do? In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country. Making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. As politics grow ever more chaotic, remember this truth. When you're taking heavy flack, it usually means you're over the target. Open the Bombay doors. Truthnewsnet.org. Your pilot on this mission, Dan Newman. Nah, I'm not the pilot. I'm the bombardier. I'm the one who pulls the switch that opens the Bombay doors for the bombs to fall. Something we have not talked about in a long time, really long time here. COVID-19. Is it, is it behind us? Are we through with it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Mother Nature, I think Mother Nature's probably doing her part to get enough people with herd immunity to kind of stop it. But I don't know about the artificial stuff going on. Artificial stuff. You know, here we are. We're two, two and a half years into COVID-19. We've been through our pandemic. We've been through our lockdowns. We've been through all of the stuff. Masks, don't mask. Don't get close to anybody. You can't go to work. You can't go to school. And then, oh, it's okay. You don't have to wear a mask. And you can go back to school, but wait a minute. You can't be in the military unless you get vaccinated, even if you don't want to get vaccinated. You can't work in this corporation. You can't work in these hospitals. Do you know today, across this nation, there are hospitals that have tons of open rooms. I mean, tons of open rooms. Now, if you go into the emergency room and you ask them, do you have a space for me in this hospital if after I finish here in the ER I need to be checked in? Oh, no, we don't. We're full. That's what they tell us. We're full. We're full. They're not full. What they are really saying is we had a bunch of nurses that left the profession because we demanded they get vaccinated. They refused to and they lost their jobs. 
And so federal and state law gives us the ratio between nurses and patients, the number that you've got to reach before you can open these rooms. And so when they tell us we're full, they're full as part of the rooms they have nurses to cover. The hospital census is what it's called. I haven't heard anybody talk about that. But that's what's going on around us. And then we have our military people. There are a bunch of military members that were kicked out because they refused to get vaccines. The Supreme Court weighs in on it and says you can't do that. Government mandates don't stand, don't fly regarding this. And so it was okay for them to come back in. They're not yet. The Department of Defense is not letting that happen. We're just touching the surface of the insanity of COVID-19 in the aftermath. And I've got some more for you that'll blow your mind. It's about a variant. Oh my gosh, another variant. Well, don't even think about that. First, I want to go back to Senator Rand Paul and America's favorite doctor, Anthony Fauci. And once again, the conversations out there about gain of function stuff. And Rand Paul, he really goes after Anthony Fauci this time. I don't expect you today to admit that you approved of NIH funding for gain of function research in Wuhan, but your repeated denials have worn thin, and a majority of Americans, frankly, don't believe you. Even the NIH now admits that EcoHealth Alliance did perform experiments in Wuhan that created viruses not found in nature that actually did gain in lethality. The facts are clear. The NIH did fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan despite your protestations. You can deny it all you want, but even the Chinese authors of the paper, in their paper, admit that viruses not found in nature were created, and yes, they gained in infectivity. Your persistent denials, though, are not simply a stain on your reputation, but are a clear and present danger to the country and to the world. As Professor Kevin Esfeldt of MIT has written, gain-of-function research looks like a gamble that civilization can't afford to risk. And yet here we are again with you steadfast in your denials. Why does it matter? Because gain-of-function research with laboratory-created viruses not found in nature could cause a pandemic even worse the next time. We're suffering today from one that has a mortality of approximately 1%. They're experimenting with viruses that have mortalities of between 15 and 50%. Yes, our civilization could be at risk from one of these viruses. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with known pandemic-causing viruses are incredibly risky. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with coronaviruses that have as much as 50% mortality could endanger civilization as we know it. And here you sit, unwilling to accept any responsibility for the current pandemic and unwilling to take any steps to prevent gain-of-function research from possibly unleashing an even more deadly virus. You mislead the public by saying that the published viruses could not be COVID. Well, exactly no one is alleging that. No one is alleging that the published viruses by the Chinese are COVID. What we are saying is that this was risky type of research, gain-of-function research. It was risky to share this with the Chinese. 
with the Chinese and that COVID may have been created from a not yet revealed virus. We don't anticipate the Chinese are going to reveal the virus if it came from their lab. You know that, but you continue to mislead. You continue to support NIH money going to Wuhan. You continue to say you trust the Chinese scientist. You appear to have learned nothing from this pandemic. Will you today finally take some responsibility for funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator, with all due respect, I disagree with so many of the things that you've said. Gain, first of all, gain-of-function is a very nebulous term. We have spent, not us, but outside bodies, a considerable amount of effort to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. You are aware of that. That is called P3CO. We're aware that you deleted gain of function yeah. from the NIH well, website. Well, I can get back to that in a moment if we have time. But let's get back to the operating framework and guide rails of which we operate under. And you have ignored them. The guidelines are very, very clear that you have to be dealing with a pathogen that clearly is shown and very likely to be highly transmissible in an uncontrollable way in humans and to have a high degree of morbidity and mortality, and that you do experiments to enhance that, hence the word EPPP, enhanced pathogens of potemic, potemic, potential So when EcoHealth Alliance took the virus, no, well, SH-C014, and combined it with WIV-1 and caused a recombinant virus that doesn't exist in nature, and it made mice sicker, mice that had humanized cells, you're saying that that's not gain-of-function research? According to the framework and guidelines... So what you're doing P3, is defining away gain-of-function. No. You're simply saying it doesn't exist because you changed the definition on the NIH website. This is terrible, and you're, you're completely trying to escape right. the idea that we should do something about trying to prevent a pandemic from leaking from a lab. There's, the preponderance of evidence now points towards this coming from the lab, and what you've done is changed the definition right. on your website to try to cover your ass, basically. That's what you've done. You've changed the website right. to try to have a new definition that doesn't include the risky research that's going on. Until you admit that it's risky, we're not going to get anywhere. You have to admit that this research was risky. The NIH has now rebuked them. Your own agency has rebuked them. But That's, the thing is, is you're still unwilling to admit that they gained in function when they say they became sicker. They gained in right. lethality. It's a right. new virus. That's not gain of function? According to the definition that is currently <laughs> operable, you know, Senator, the new let's one. make it clear for the people who are listening. The current definition was done over a two- to three-year period by outside bodies, including the NSABB, two conferences by the National Academy of Science, Engineering, and Medicine on December 2014, March 2016. We commissioned external risk-benefit assessment, and then on January of 2017, the Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House issued the current policy. And coincidentally, I, I coincidentally have not changed the definition any appeared. definition. 
on the same day the NIH said that, yes, there was a gain of function in Wuhan, the same day the definition appeared, the new definition, to try to define away what's going on in Wuhan. Until you accept it, until you expect, accept responsibility, we're not going to get anywhere right. close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit well, that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. Th thank you, Senator Paul. And I would like um, to give the time to Dr. Fauci. Yeah, well, th there were so many things that are egregious misrepresentation here, uh, Madam Chair, that I, I don't think I'd be able to refute all of them, but just a couple of them for the listens to hear for. You have said that I am unwilling to take any responsibility for the current pandemic. I have no responsibility for the current pandemic. The current pandemic, okay? Number two, you said the overwhelming amount of evidence indicates that's a lab leak. I believe most card-carrying viral phylogenists and molecular virologists would disagree with you that it's much more likely, even though we leave open all possibilities, it's much more likely that this was a natural occurrence. Third, you say we We've can tested 80,000 animals and no animals Senator have been Paul, found with COVID. Senator Paul, the time is first. And third, you made a statement just a moment ago that's completely incorrect, where you say we continue to support research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You proved it in August of last year. No, no, your statement says, quote, I wrote it down as you were writing. You continue to support research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You were in committee a month ago Which and said you still trust the Chinese scientists but and you still support the research over there. You said it a month ago Senator in committee. Senator Paul, I have allowed Dr. Fauci to respond. You've had your time. I'm going to give him He's going to be dishonest. Minute. He ought to be challenged. S Senator Paul, we will allow Dr. Fauci to respond after you've given accusations like that. Dr. Fauci. Well, I don't have any more to say except to say that, as usual, and I've, I have a great deal of respect for this body of the Senate, and it makes me very uncomfortable to have to say something, but he is egregiously incorrect in what he says. Thank you. Thank History you. will figure that out on its own. So we will turn to Senator Hassan. Thank I think you. it was very important for us to hear that. That, as you know, was a couple of months ago, before Dr. Fauci retired. Subsequent to his retirement, almost everything he said in that interview with Dr. and Senator Rand Paul, almost everything Fauci said has been proven to be exactly as Senator Rand Paul claimed in the interview. You and I have never been in a scenario in our lives, and I don't think any of us will ever go through a similar scenario like that, like the last two and a half years. I pray we don't. But we did not know what to do or how to handle it. We were told from the beginning, follow the science, follow the science. What are our alternatives? We didn't have any. We had to listen to what we were told. Why was this such a big deal? Why was it so top-down, so clamping down, so oppressive on all of Americans? It's a multiple-faceted investigation and trial by a group of people that are in power, that are wanting to increase their power 
and control over the American people. And they were testing the waters to see how much of our freedoms and independence we were willing to give to them in the name of health care, in the name of stopping a pandemic that was going to sweep across and destroy much of the world, not just the United States people. And I don't want to scare anybody. I don't, I'm not a, a conspirator. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. But now, now there's no question. There is a concerted effort. They even claim now that that's what they want to do. They're in Davos, Switzerland. This is the World Economic Forum. This is where 200 private jets, they flew to Davos, Switzerland. And if you know anything about Davos, it's nowhere. It's out in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. There's one airport there and all of the hangar space and space to park jets was taken up by all of these climate fanatics these multi-billionaires, these enlightened people to get together and talk about the way to save the planet. The way to save the planet. According to John Kerry, of course, the way to save the planet is for everybody to do exactly what he says, not what he does. John Kerry was a United States senator from his very early career as a human being, as an American. He's been caught in lie after lie after lie. He lied about his service in Vietnam. He lied about one particular instance that he supposedly initiated to save a bunch of people and a bunch of GIs over there. And the people that were with him, they verified again and again and again he lied. Ran for president. The most important thing that John Kerry has ever achieved was when he married Teresa Hines, now Teresa Hines Kerry, Hines, H-E-I-N-Z. What is that? Hines Ketchup. She was the widow of the founder of Hines. She is a billionaire and she's married to John Kerry. And what does that mean? He has access to all of her wealth. He was a nobody. He was a U.S. senator. But he wasn't a political heavyweight. He always wanted to be. He couldn't make the run for president, be successful. So he found a niche to fall into. Climate activist in chief. I don't even know what his official title is. It's not an official bureau and therefore taxpayer funded. Nobody knows, nobody has legal access to find out what that office that Joe Biden created, how much it's funded, how much does John Kerry make, what are their expenses? Kerry flies all over the world in a private jet everywhere he goes. Why is that? Why can't he do that? Guess what Teresa Hines Kerry owns? A jet charter company. They have a fleet of jets that they lease out. Now, they're not supposed to do that because these things are gas hogs. They're destroying our climate. And of course, if pressed, and he has been, John Kerry talks about, well, 
My time is important. I'm a leader, one of the biggest leaders on the planet about everything to do with saving our planet. They have finally now admitted that one of their goals is to take control of the number of people who live on planet Earth. Just like those intellectuals have determined they have the sole ability and therefore the sole authority to determine what that number is and how it's spread out, should be spread out across all of our continents, all of our nations, and do something about controlling it. Do you know, it was reported this morning, for the first time in known history, the population of France went down. It came out earlier this week that the population in China went down. And I'm sure we'll hear more of those. Why is that? What happened? What happened? I can tell you what happened. Big government got bigger. The Anthony Fauci's, the John Kerry's, these well-enlightened heavyweight people that include a bunch of billionaires that they all found their way to the trough of political purpose, climate change, all of those fluff things that sound like it's critical. And they're being used. Most of the people that are in Davos, Switzerland are just sheeples. They're not really people. They're being led. And there is a power group that make the wealthy people in the United States, you know, those 600 evil billionaires that Joe Biden went after with those 87,000 new IRS folks that their express job was to make sure these billionaires paid their tax bill. 87,000 new people to make sure that 600 people do the right thing. Yeah, right. It's all about power. It's all about control. It's about using people for what you can get from them and using people for what you can make them do. After the pandemic, after your lockdowns, you look back. Do you feel like you did the right thing? Do you feel like you were told to do the right things? Do you think you were treated fairly? Do you have anybody in your family that died at the hands of COVID-19? Do you have anybody in your family that are dropping dead from adverse reactions like never before in world history? Call me a conspirator. I don't care. But it's about control. Control of what? Control of what people get to do. Let me drop another one on you. Have you heard of Omicron XBB.1.5? It's a variant, a variant of COVID-19. And let's just call it XBB. XBB is more likely to infect individuals who have been vaccinated. Omicron subvariant XBB now accounts for 73% of all sequenced COVID-19 cases 
XBB is the most transmissible form of COVID-19 that we know of to date and may be more likely to infect people who have been vaccinated or already had COVID-19. Now, let me just blow your mind. I got this story doing research five days ago. Have you heard anybody talking about this? Anybody at all? And guess who found this out? New York City health officials. Now, despite this, listen to this. Here's the thing, the part of this that blows my mind. This XBB thing and the discovery of its transmissibility, it's been confirmed in other countries. Nobody's talking about it. Somebody in New York City, in the New York City Health Department, they dropped the bomb out there. And despite this, this knowledge, despite this, the New York City Health Department is urging New Yorkers to get vaccinated and receive the updated COVID-19 booster shot, stating that doing so, quote, is still the best way to protect yourself from things like hospitalization and death from COVID-19, including from these new variants. Now, let me tell you that. Science is what gave them the knowledge of XBB.1.5. But with that knowledge, what reasonable thinking person would think it would be okay to tell people, yeah, you know, you're more likely to get this, and therefore you're more likely to get sick, and so we just want you to go ahead and, you know, because you got vaccinated is the reason you're getting it, just because you got vaccinated. So go, go get some more. of the U.S. population aged 5 and over have received the updated bivalent booster shot. In an interview with Science News on the 13th, five days ago, infectious diseases specialist Peter Chin Hong of the University of California, San Francisco, stated that vaccinations are likely to provide just three months of protection against this XBB.1.5, quote, the new updated boosters generally work a little better than the old vaccines in terms of overall efficacy in preventing infection. But with these new slippery variants like XBB.1.5, if you're looking to prevent infections, even a mild one, the vaccines are probably going to last maybe three months. But, Chin Hong said, if you're talking about preventing me from dying or going to the hospital, those vaccines are going to give me a boost of protection for many, many months, probably until next winter for most people. For older people, older than 65, if they're not boosted today, then it's a problem. Chin Hong, expert, expert, another Anthony Fauci wannabe, expert, expert. They told us from the beginning, if you get vaccinated, you're fine. You're going to be safe. People who got vaccinated, dying. Getting these new versions 
and they're called variants. We didn't know about any variants. Fauci never told us about variants. And then, oh, we've got these boosters. We're going to tackle the variants. you got to get boosted. And then, oh, you got to get boosted twice. And then you got to probably get a third one, especially if you're in a category where you have constant health issues. And now we find out there's a new variant. Nobody out of New York City is talking about it. But XBB.1.5, it's out there. And if you got vaccinated like Fauci and company told you to get vaccinated, you're far more likely to get COVID from this one. And then in the same confirmation, the new updated boosters generally work better than the old vaccines in terms of overall efficacy and preventing infection. But if you're looking to prevent infections, even a mild one, the vaccines are probably going to last, maybe, his words, maybe six months. Now, what he's not saying is, we really don't know. We don't have any proof of what I just told you. But we're recommending, hey, don't worry about it. You got to just trust us. After all, we're the experts. We know what's best for you. I mean, look what we brought you through. We destroyed your personalities, the lives of your kids. You're going to a shrink. You lost your job. You quit your job because you didn't want to get sick working in a hospital as a nurse. You listened to us before. Forget about all these little things that happened to you. And y'all, y'all just keep on listening to us and get a booster. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the The Truth Truth News Network. Network. Truthnewsnet.org. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. I'm Papa John, pizza maker. The quality of every ingredient is important to me. Like the sweet, juicy pineapple and pulled ham hock that refreshes a pizza classic. Introducing our new Premium Hawaiian, another Papa John's original. Like all our pizzas, it comes with Papa's quality guarantee. Try something new with a third off your order. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. ABC Tonight, it's all about Big Cash. Here we go! And Big Crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me the money! To win it all. A big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Suite. On your carts! Get set! And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I like that song. I ought to let it play out. 
So let me give you a P.S. on the story that I just brought you. Less than a month after the Centers for Disease Control and Infectious Diseases marked the two-year anniversary of the number one, the very first administered COVID-19 vaccine, by telling Americans to get a bivalent booster, two peer-reviewed German studies show mRNA vaccines, the vast majority of those here, by the way, are mRNA, induce worse antibodies compared to traditional adenovirus vaccines. This from a paper published in Science Immunology back in December, focused on mRNA boosters, while the second, published in Frontier in Immunology five days ago, found the same association with the two-dose primary series. The Frontier's paper has the added distinction of a Pfizer scientist. I trust Pfizer. I trust everything they tell us. Serving as its editor and one of Anthony Fauci's staffers at the NIAID as a peer reviewer, suggesting the mRNA vaccine maker and feds were aware of a potential antibody problem around the time Omicron-targeting boosters were authorized. They knew it was there. The findings call into question the government's promotion of bivalent boosting, even while regulators admit that newer COVID variants are evading vaccines. Moms and dads, children, babies, athletes are dying. They're dying. They've been vaccinated. We're not hearing about these athletes. In most cases, we're not being told if they were vaccinated or not, but we're hearing these stories. Died on the field. Autopsy showed. Cardiac arrest. 21, 22, 25, 17 years old. Over and over and over again. No answers other than let's get some more juice in your arm because you know what? Science says that it's better when they don't have a clue themselves. They don't, but they don't want to dare admit that's a fact. Now we mentioned just a little, oh, and by the way, all this group, much of this group, they're in Davos, Switzerland. They're talking about all this stuff. And they're clapping their hands because the population in France went down last year. The population in China went down last year. Why is the population going down? We can understand about China a little better because they kill a lot of people. We know that. They always have. But France, something smells there. So meanwhile... Some of the folks that are over there in Davos for the World Economic Forum, people like Representative Maria Salazar from Florida, yesterday she got up on the podium and she lectured Americans for the World Economic Forum's annual meeting, urging Americans to accept amnesty for the nation's eh, somewhere between 11 and 22 million between 11 and 22 million, how do you miss it that far? How do you justify 
projecting how many illegals are there, and there's 11 million. The difference between your bottom thought-about suggested number to the top one. She was on a panel in a discussion alongside Senator Joe Manchin, Senator Kirsten Sinema, and others. And she said some form of amnesty is necessary for illegals living across the U.S. Here's what she said. We need to also give dignity to those people who are in the country, and those are the people that I represent. We're talking about 13 to 15 million people, who are most of them Hispanics. I would say 85% who speak my language, look like me, and sound like me, who are contributing to the economy of this country, and they live in the shadows. So she said it's time to seal the border. Let's see who comes in and who doesn't, and then turn them around and give dignity. That doesn't mean a path to citizenship. That means to include them and make them dignified members of our community. Last year, Salazar joined six other House Republicans when they unveiled an amnesty plan that would have allowed illegals to secure 10-year work permits to hold American jobs before then applying for green cards to permanently stay here. An amnesty for illegal aliens, which would hugely inflate the U.S. labor market, likely spur more vast waves of illegal immigration, is critical for many of Salazar's largest donors, who include real estate developers looking to build more housing and Wall Street-linked financial firms focused on driving up the number of consumers and available workers. Independent analysis has shown that amnesty, any type of amnesty, in addition to more legal immigration, is a net loss for Americans' job security and wages. It goes back to 2013 when the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, They stated, because of their analysis, that the Gang of Aid amnesty plan would slightly push down wages to American workers. Another CBO analysis, published two years ago, stated that immigration has exerted downward pressure on the wages of relatively low-skill workers who are already here, regardless of where they were born. Other research finds current legal immigrants in the U.S. results in more than $530 billion worth of lost wages for Americans. Recent peer-reviewed research by economist Christopher Albert acknowledges that as immigrants accept lower wages, they're preferably chosen by firms and therefore have higher job-finding rates than natives consistent with evidence found in U.S. data. It boils down to this. Anybody that comes here, even if it's a legal immigrant, but anybody that comes here is probably going to take the job of somebody that's already here. And oh, by the way, if you're a business owner, if you're a business owner, what do you do? Whoa, 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 what happened there? If you're a business owner, you find ways to get more money coming in the front door and find ways 
to keep more money from going out the back door. In most cases, in most companies, you got two ways to impact the bottom line. That's profit. How do you do it? You raise your revenue and you cut your expenses. It's not brain surgery. Hey guys, thank you for being here. You guys have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Traveling